2020 was a year that took children and parents and really everyone through so many different emotions and hardships, and I would even venture as far to saying trauma. And sometimes as parents, it can be hard as the mom to know, how do I reach my heart of my child and serve them well when they've been through something that was so traumatic or so difficult? And I am so thankful to be able to bring an expert in with me today. I have with me Lori Crosby, who is a marriage and family therapist and a registered play therapist. But... I would say even most importantly, she's a mom of two, so she's been there. Her feet have been in the same messes that ours have. She's been married for 12 years, and during this last season, she and her husband wrote a book together called Trauma-Informed Children's Ministry, a practical guide to reaching hurting kids. And I am so thankful that she can be here to share her wisdom with us today. Hi friends, welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Lori, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I know this is just going to be a wonderful conversation um, talking about trauma Mm -hmm. and children. And I wish that our children, that we as moms could just protect them. Isn't that our goal? Yeah. Just to protect children from trauma. But one of my prayers for years and years and years has been that God would give me the wisdom to prepare Mm -hmm. my children for the world that he is going to be growing them into, that he's called them into. And so I believe that even through the hardships of the trauma mm-hmm. of this last you know, year and a half, two years, whatever it is at this yeah. point yeah. of everything, I believe God's going to use that in their lives to mm-hmm. help them serve him. Yeah. But I would say that it was traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. Yeah. So what would you define as trauma for a child? It's a good question. Um, so trauma is an experience you go through. Um, so it is an intense physical or psychological stress reaction to an event that an individual ha- goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be a single event. It can be uh, multiple events, a set of circumstances um, that somebody experiences mm-hmm. and that their brain perceives as um, a threat. So an intense like physical, uh, psychological, um, emotional, just threat. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily even have to be something huge, like a Mm -hmm. pandemic. Mm -hmm. It could be something substantially smaller. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give me an example of something for it? Like Um, just in a regular child's life, not pandemic world. Yeah. Um, So there's many different examples. Um, I mean, we have divorce within families that can be traumatic to some children. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be like domestic violence, community violence, um, abuse of any kind, accidents, illnesses, Mm -hmm. loss of a loved one. I was thinking about the accidents and illnesses even. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that seems like something that like, well, sickness happens, mm-hmm. but it can be very traumatic yeah, Absolutely, for yeah. a child. Yeah. And what about even secondary 
trauma. Like if you're Mm -hmm. not the one who experienced it, Mm -hmm. but maybe your parent experienced it or you watched something traumatic happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, Part of the criteria for even the being diagnosed as having post-traumatic stress disorder is it's either something that happened to you or somebody close to you or something you witnessed. And so what would be some of the signs or symptoms that we might see in a child that we would might cause us to say, you know what, maybe this is more than just, you know, having a bad day mm-hmm. or going yeah. through a growth spurt or something yeah. like that to say this actually is, this is something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so... Symptoms and signs, they vary from person to person. So trauma becomes trauma or like PTSD mm-hmm. based on how your brain, the individual brain stores the information. So two people can mm-hmm. be in the exact same situation and one person walks out and they're okay. And the other person comes out of that situation, possibly being diagnosed with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so some signs and symptoms would be like, um, inability to concentrate, um, hyperarousal, uh, problems with memory, inappropriate emotional outbursts. So lots of meltdowns, mm-hmm. um, difficulty trusting or attaching to other people, um, difficulty regulating emotions. So insomnia, uh, nightmares, anxiety, disassociation, um, you know, antisocial behaviors. So all of those things. Wow. So it's interesting because I feel like some of those you could pin is just, well, they're growing up. Yes. You know, and some of those, sometimes that is it, Mm -hmm. but when there's multiple Mm -hmm. of the things, Mm -hmm. is that when you kind of use as a parent, if I was, you know, I am a mom. Yes. Um, if I were a mom listening to this and I were to hear the list and think, Mm -hmm. wow, wait a minute, (laughs) my child displays multiple of those. Yes. Yeah. And how, how old even do you think you would begin saying that someone could say that they were, that their child went through a traumatic experience? Mm -hmm birth. Wow. Yeah. So as young as zero. So, um, infants in the womb can experience trauma. Mm. Um, so if the, the mother is going through domestic violence or drugs in her system, any of those mm. things, it goes straight to the baby. And so when the baby is born and possibly placed in foster care, that child will go through withdrawals. They will grieve. Um, it's all trauma. So even if the child doesn't have a cognizant memory of the traumatic event, their body remembers even when their brain doesn't. Mm-hmm. So their body will have like those, those symptoms, they'll express it and the child might not, you know, have that memory, but they're still struggling with the trauma. So at that point, if you're, if you're seeing that, mm-hmm. it's not like it's just too bad though. Sorry, yeah. that child went through that. There's still things you can do to help. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we'll get to yes. that in a little bit. We'll yes. jump into yes. all of those things. And yeah. um, so even from birth, you're talking like birth mm-hmm. through your high schooler, mm-hmm. any of these signs mm-hmm. could be signs mm-hmm. that your child is dealing with PTSD. Yes. And, um, it's, you use the word diagnosed, which mm-hmm. I think has a lot of negative connotations, especially yes. as a mom. I feel like that carries so much guilt Yes. Yeah. associated with yeah. it. That if I were to bring my child to talk to someone about mm-hmm. these struggles and they said, well, I would diagnose them with this, I would want to go curl up and die. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. so what, what is that that we do to ourselves as moms? That's, that's a really good question. I think the mom guilt is real. Um, but the whole thing of a diagnosis is just so that the treating practitioner can create the right plan mm-hmm. to help the child heal and go through that healing journey and to help you as a parent even Mm -hmm. know how to help them that's actually really helpful for me because Mm -hmm. I think that 
when we get sick mm-hmm. in our family, we frequently will go to the doctor, not mm-hmm. necessarily completely for the medical treatment. Mm. Sometimes we go for the diagnosis yeah. so that then we can decide what thing, what different options do we have for treating exactly. it. Yeah. But I would never feel... I would never feel personal yeah. like shame yes. over a child being diagnosed yeah. with, you know, something at yeah. the doctor's office. Yeah. But if I if it were something mental health related yes. as a mom, I think I would tend to carry shame with that or guilt thinking yeah. I did something wrong, I yeah. dropped the ball. Yeah. And yeah. may it may have been something that was completely out of our control. Yeah, absolutely cuz unfortunately, uh, mental health still has like this stigma around it and it's heartbreaking because our brain is an organ just like every other part of our body. And sometimes our brain gets sick, you know, especially when we go through hard things like a global pandemic, for instance. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> I like think quarantining most, with your family out of for nowhere. like a year. Yes. You know, no one's going to walk away from that feeling like, well, that was the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully there were some good things, mm-hmm. but like, uh, anxiety is on the rise. Uh, mm-hmm. Depression is on the rise. And we're going to do another conversation yeah. that's going to air after this a little ways about yeah. anxiety and depression exactly. in children yeah. because it's very real. It is very real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to speak to the moms, like these signs and symptoms, if your child has some of these occasionally, that's normal. But mm-hmm. if it is something that is happening daily, multiple times a day, a lot of these group together, um, it's impairing their ability to be successful in the home, at school, extracurricular activities, all of those things, then there's something going on and getting help is the best option. And I'll put those signs and symptoms down in the show notes so that okay. if someone thought, wait a minute, I kind of missed those or yeah. I'd like to reference them, I'll yeah. put them there. Yeah. Okay. So you wrote a book for yes. children's pastors, but you are a therapist. Yes. Yes. Not a children's pastor. So what led you to this topic right. of this book? Right. Um, so I co-wrote the book with my husband and my husband, Robert, uh, he's a research psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, he conducted a three-year research study wow. um, across the United States and Latin America. Um, he conducted interviews with just many, many churches, um, their leadership, so children's pastors, the children's ministry volunteers, families, and children. So he has all these interviews. And when he came back um, from this whole experience, there was all these stories on that where churches met with these families well and served them along the healing journey and mm-hmm. brought the children to Jesus. And we just both strongly felt like these stories need to be told, like their voices need to be elevated and Mm -hmm. people need to know this. Um, Unfortunately, just in my practice, I've had a lot of children who've experienced trauma and they were kicked out of their churches Mm. because of their negative acting out behavior, which I know the church is trying to do the best that they can, but um, that's not the father heart of Mm. God. And so the church needs to be equipped now to know what to do with children who have experienced trauma and how to come alongside them and meet with them in their most difficult moments. Um, And so he took his research, the stories, the interviews, and then just my experience being a trauma therapist Mm -hmm. for children. And so we created um, this book that has these stories along with the practical applications, the strategies churches can implement now Mm -hmm. to improve children's ministry so that kids who have experienced trauma can be successful. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. So your book has two main big ideas in it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the first one first. So what's the first big idea of the book? 
Well, first, it's just educating the church about signs and symptoms of trauma. Mm -hmm. So what does this actually look like? So that way they can know what to do. Exactly. So you say, you say that behavior is communication mm-hmm. because the signs yeah. and symptoms were not words. Like a mm-hmm. child isn't saying, yeah. this is how I'm yeah. feeling. Yeah. And sometimes adults don't even know yeah. how they're feeling. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. By behavior so, being communication? Yeah. All behavior is communication. So that is, we all, <laughs> our, our, our um, nonverbal body language is what most people communicate. So, um, not by words, but just those nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. So that's communication. And so when a child is melting down, they're telling you something. Mm-hmm. So they are talking. And mm-hmm. so being able to have the eyes to see, okay, what is happening? What are they trying to, what are they trying to communicate in mm-hmm. this moment? And that they may not even know what they're trying to Absolutely. communicate. I would say uh, most yeah. of the time. No. No. Yeah, I can, I can definitely test, like speak to that. And I've yeah. seen times when I think about working in children's ministry, because mm-hmm. I got to, I was so privileged to get to serve as a children's yeah. choir awesome. leader for 15 years. Yeah. So I watched children go from six years old all the mm-hmm. way up through graduating high school. Actually, yeah. one who I led all the way through is watching my other children today while we record, <laughs> which is so special That's to awesome. me. Yeah. But I, I would see when children, when maybe I wouldn't see something happen specifically, yeah. but you could see in their behavior mm-hmm. when their shoulders are slumped mm-hmm. down. And they just come in with a different countenance upon Mm -hmm. them that something's going on. Mm -hmm. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. And I remember there being times when Mm -hmm. there would even, I'd see a change. Yes. That like this child used to be like this. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they're acting like this. What happened? Mm -hmm. And wondering, was there some event that took place? And since I wasn't, you know, the children's pastor in that position, in that role, or necessarily even in close relationship with the parents, I wouldn't always know. But sometimes just by talking with the kids Mm and, hey, how are you doing? I'd end up finding out about something and frequently mm-hmm. when I, and especially when I led youth choirs, I led junior higher and high, junior okay. hires and high schoolers for a while. And we would do a weekend away where mm-hmm. we'd be together for a whole weekend. Oh, so that yeah. quality, the yes. quantity yeah. of time gave us quality time Absolutely. and it gave us time for conversations. Mm-hmm. And when I'd see that there was one who shifted and I could say, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on? How are you? What's been mm-hmm. going on in life? And sometimes I would hear of something that went on and think that was it. Yeah. That was the thing. Absolutely. But I think that oftentimes the parents just don't know what to do. Yeah. And do you encounter that in your practice that they're like the most well-meaning parents don't know what the next steps are? Absolutely. That's, that's very common. It's so hard. And if you don't know, you know, what happened to your child, then it's hard to know what the next steps are. Mm So let's talk about that. So we talked about that behavior is communication. Mm-hmm. And then that, so we watch for their behavior. Mm-hmm. We understand what they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to communicate something, but then we have to respond to it, which is really hard because some behaviors yeah. require discipline yes. and training opportunities. Mm-hmm. And some require a completely different kind of a mm-hmm. response of being tender, maybe looking to the root and not mm-hmm. that discipline isn't tender though. I made it sound like my yes, discipline's right. like crazy out of control. <laughs> it's not, but it requires a different response because we're really trying to figure out more mm-hmm. the heart of the heart behind it. Yes. I mean, yes. honestly, I would say any behavior, we should be going to the heart anyway, yes. regardless yeah. of if there's disciplining or not. Yes. So let's talk yeah. about that though. Responding to these behaviors that we're seeing. 
Yeah. Um, so it, I like how you said, like, what's the heart behind it? So Mm -hmm. there's, um, in one of my many, many play therapy trainings is one of the, one of the play therapists talks about is your child in their choosing mind, Mm -hmm. which I loved. Um, so it's, you know, if it's at the end of the day and they're having just a complete meltdown, it, 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 are they in their choosing mind or are they melting down because their primary needs need to be met? Mm-hmm. You know, they're hungry, they're exhausted, they need sleep mm-hmm. and they're just melting down. So in that, I would deal with that completely different than, well, they're at the store and now they're melting down because they wanted the newest toy. Mm-hmm. And so they're not, you know, they're choosing, mm-hmm. so to speak, yes. that meltdown um, versus they're just, they're not in their choosing mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the mom, like knowing your child's heart, their brain. And if you do know your child has experienced trauma, there's just completely different ways of handling that. So let's talk about that for the mom who knows, okay, my child meets some of these Mm -hmm. criteria of maybe having been through trauma. Mm -hmm. I would say, again, I think we probably all have experienced it to a degree, but I know, like you said, two brains can go through the same thing and one brain, it registers as trauma Mm -hmm. and the other just moves right along. So for the child that has dealt with trauma, how do we respond to some of those behaviors specifically in that child? Yeah. Um, so if they are melting down, like maybe that's what the negative acting out behavior is, um, for that parent in that moment to stay regulated emotionally. So calm, which is hard because obviously parents have feelings too. And sometimes (laughs) we can be triggered and our emotions get bigger, but I like to, to teach the families I work with that, um, the goal is to be the thermostat, not Mm -hmm. the thermometer. So as the emotional temperature rises, you don't want to rise with that you want to click on that AC and bring the temperature down. Mm-hmm. And so using really good emotion regulation strategies on yourself and then teach your child. So teach them some of these techniques, practice them regularly so they know because mm-hmm. if they're in the middle of a meltdown, they are not in their upstairs brain. Mm-hmm. So the upstairs brain, prefrontal cortex, that's where the executive functioning takes place. So they're not in their choosing mind. They're not in their choosing point. mind. Exactly. Okay. They're in their downstairs brain. So that's where the limbic system is. That's where the brainstem is. Limbic system holds all the emotion, brainstem, fight or flight. And so, you know, they could be triggered and then go to the downstairs brain. And that's not going to be the best place to say, Hey, do you remember to do your positive coping skills? Mm-hmm. Cause they're in their downstairs brain. Mm-hmm. So you have to teach them. You have to practice every day, just like sports. You don't go and play the soccer game if you haven't practiced during mm-hmm. the week. So when that game time comes, the body will remember what to do, even when your brain is not where it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Okay. Let's talk about the brain thing for a minute. Okay. So upstairs brain, downstairs brain, mm-hmm. go yes. there for a second. Yes. So upstairs brain would mean executive functioning. So prefrontal cortex. Um, so that's where you make decisions. You can communicate clearly You're you know, logical and level-headed. That's You're thinking in a takes. sound mind. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then downstairs brain again, like when somebody's triggered, all of us, kids, adults, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, your spouse says something to you and it really upsets you. And sometimes we can go from zero to 60 because maybe we're tired mm-hmm. or we're hungry and we're not able to stay upstairs. So we're mm-hmm. in our downstairs brain. Um, that's where you do and say things that you don't mean. And then you apologize when you get back into your upstairs brain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so this is, this whole term is from, um, 
an amazing uh, neurobiologist, so named um, Dr. Daniel Siegel. Um, and so he also works with Dr. Sue Bratton. Um, no, sorry, Dr. Tina Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they wrote the book, uh, Whole Brain Child, mm-hmm. and a lot of other books, No Drama Discipline, anything by them is amazing. So they take like a neurobiological perspective mm-hmm. and apply that to parenting and um, yeah, and discipline and all of that. And it's really practical. So he talks about upstairs brain, downstairs brain, emotion regulation techniques. So things that are really practical Mm -hmm. for a parent to understand and then to help teach their kid. That's Um, great. Yeah. I, so if, if a child is in that space Mm -hmm. where they're having their meltdown Mm -hmm. and they're going crazy and Mm -hmm. our initial reaction is to be like, stop or whatever, whatever our angry response would be. Mm -hmm. One thing that helped me a lot in this is a couple of things as a mom. One, remembering that God's word says that a gentle answer turns away Mm -hmm. wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yeah. But a gentle answer isn't always easy. That's very in those true. Moments. Like in those, actually it's never easy <laughs> in those true. moments until it becomes a habit. Yeah. I would encourage moms. Yes. If absolutely. you're in the habit mm-hmm. of yelling at your kids in those mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. and meeting them mm-hmm. at their level of anger and frustration yeah. in time, mm-hmm. your obedience and your practice mm-hmm. of not doing that yeah. will become your natural response. Mm-hmm. I, yes. Um, and I think that one, one of the things that I did first that helped me was literally out loud calling on Jesus's name mm-hmm. and saying, Jesus, help me mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Please bring peace yeah. to this place. Yeah. And that, you know, five second mm-hmm. calling on the name of Jesus, remembering mm-hmm. he is present, Absolutely. whether things are peaceful or mm-hmm. chaotic in our home, mm-hmm. you know, during, we're not quarantined from Jesus, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord, not, right? that we can call on his name and he yeah. will meet us there. Yeah. And that just that five second extra mm-hmm. gave me the space to mm-hmm. remember who I want to be. Exactly. That I, the mom I want to be for my child in that yeah. moment. Yeah. And it's a game changer. And another thing, a very wise mom once challenged us, I remember at a mom's group I was at, she said at the beginning before she even spoke, she said, I want us to take a little time just to pray for your children. Mm. And she was so tender. She was an older woman. She had the dearest, most sensitive voice. So we all were quiet and she said, go ahead, just lift them up before the Lord. And it felt like the longest time of prayer and it was Mm. beautiful. And when she stopped us, she said, all right, that was 10 seconds. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I cannot take 10 seconds during a meltdown, we can all take 10 seconds. And it doesn't feel natural, but if our child is not going to physically harm themselves Mm -hmm. or someone else in the room by us taking a five second or 10 second pause, we will be marching forward with the armor of God on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in a place of peace and sound mind to where we can respond to what's going Mm -hmm. on instead of just reacting in anger and missing an opportunity to train them and to meet them in that space. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's great. I love that. I think that's huge too. So what are some other tools? If a mom is in this place, what are some other tools that a mom could use? Those are just my mom experiences, but (laughs) from a professional, what are some other tools a mom could use? You already, I don't want to just gloss over your practicing you talked about. I think in our culture of doing things Mm -hmm. and seeing, seeing rewards Mm -hmm. given for things and that our culture really, um, 
values, you know, kids playing sports and kids being in dance and nobody ever posts on their social media like, hey, been practicing these emotional coping skills right. with my child all day. That would be yeah. great though. It would be really great. <laughs> I would Maybe. love that. That's Maybe a great idea. do that. <laughs> um, but they don't, but that would be, that would be wonderful. Yeah. So it almost feels like you're not accomplishing yeah. things by doing that, yeah. but that would be something that you would say is a useful tool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think for parents, so one of my favorite techniques, mm-hmm. so if we're going straight to techniques. Yeah, let's I, go there. My favorite technique that I teach, I think like day one with all my families, um, it's deep breathing, um, but a fun way to do it. Um, so it is called cookie breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so another play therapist, Liana Lowenstein, she came up with this. So I got this from a training and it's in one of her books. Um, but it's so awesome. It's so fun and so practical. So even I teach it to some clients that have been as young as three. So it's a wonderful way to help even the youngest child learn how to take deep breaths Mm. and there's a whole chemical reaction that happens in your brain when you can get more oxygen Mm. in that actually does calm you down I know most people get really frustrated when they're told take a deep breath and that almost makes some people angrier (laughs) but there's an actual like scientific Mm -hmm. reason why deep breathing is one of the best things to do when you are dysregulated emotionally well isn't it amazing that God spoke the world into being and Mm -hmm. he breathed into the first people it started at the beginning God had intentionality in this yeah it's so deep um so yeah cookie breathing so what I do is I have the child and the parent so imagine that the cookies that they just baked a fresh homemade batch of cookies and then the child can pick like what is your favorite cookies and so they they say um and then I say okay so they're too hot to eat but they smell so good and so we're going to smell the cookies so breathe in through your nose we're going to cool the cookies down so super easy four to five times Mm. and then we pretend to eat the cookies you know (laughs) right you know it's just it makes it playful and fun um it's not super long but it has a huge impact and so that's my favorite go-to emotion regulation technique that I teach everybody and that's something you could do with your whole table of your family oh yeah too so it's not feeling like the one child who's really struggling is getting necessarily like yeah hey we're gonna practice this because you're having a hard time you know this is healthy for all humans right because we (laughs) all have hard times yeah everybody yes so yeah and it's just it's fun it's easy you're using you know fun positive imagery and um teaching the child how to actually do really good deep Mm -hmm. breathing Mm -hmm. we do something another step with that sometimes we call breath prayers where Mm -hmm. we'll practice breathing in a phrase Mm -hmm. God is oh, so good. And then right. letting it out. Oh, I trust you. Oh, I, I breathe it that. in. God is so good. Yes. I trust you. And oh, letting it out. Yes. But I think learning how to breathe yes. first is really helpful. And yeah. um, But for an older child to be able to tie it in mm-hmm. with scripture and yes. truths of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. If, you, um, if a mom said or a parent said, okay, I've done these things in my home. Mm-hmm. We've tried me not yelling. We've tried mm-hmm. cookie breaths. Even taking a break. Mm-hmm. Saying, I mean, would you advocate for that if a Mm -hmm. child's really having a hard time? And again, they're not in physical danger. No one in the home's in physical danger saying, we're going to take a break and we're going to revisit this. Yeah. Like you talked about the brains, exactly. once they're back in their downstairs brain. Yeah. yeah. Upstairs brain. Upstairs brain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Once they're back there yeah. again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It can take 20 to 40 minutes. Oh, wow. To get back to your upstairs brain. So it's not really quick. I mean, sometimes kids can do it much quicker. Um, but it can take up to that amount mm. of time if you're doing 
positive coping skills. Mm -hmm. So timeouts, not like your punished timeout, but taking a break. Mm -hmm. So even if the, you know, as a mom, if you're feeling emotionally dysregulated, I'm just going to take a timeout, Mm -hmm. step, step away, you know, like just talk to the Lord, like, you know, do your cookie breathing Mm -hmm. and then go back and help and see if your child, how they're doing, you know, assist them. There's co-regulation. So you can be breathing while maybe you're holding them and they're melting down. Um, if that's something that is good for the child, some Mm -hmm. children will like thrash. Um, but that can be really helpful. Just being near your child, being silent, do not talk when they're in the middle of a meltdown because they're in their downstairs brain. They're not going to hear you. They can't hear you. Mm-hmm. They're, there's no, they're not in their executive functioning. They're upstairs mm. brain. It's turned off. It's offline. So, so you're just, wasting your words. You're, it's actually yes. escalating it. Yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. So being still, peaceful, breathing until you notice, okay, my child is getting back upstairs. You know, take some time and then go back. And that's when you can talk about what happened. Never try to discipline in the middle of a meltdown. It mm-hmm. will escalate it. It will make it worse. And they're not going to understand or hear. Mm-hmm. Connecting is, with them and the emotion. Mm-hmm. And our goal is their hearts. Exactly. Our goal is to reach reach yeah. and serve and train the hearts of our mm-hmm. children, yeah. which we can only do when they are able to process it and mm-hmm. when we're in sound mind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Too. Yeah. Well, Lori, we could just talk about this for so long. I, I really so, could. <laughs> I so appreciate your insight yeah. on this yeah. and um, taking children's hearts mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. They are yeah. gifts from God that mm-hmm. he has entrusted with us. Yeah. And I think especially after such a hard year, Mm -hmm. really being intentional as a mom Mm -hmm. to say, what can I do to serve them well, to help them step Mm -hmm. into the next steps of life, to be able to function as a healthy person and serve the Lord as best as they can. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Sweet friends, I wish that this was not even a conversation we needed to have, that all children could just be kept safe and protected in our homes and by our hearts and our arms. But reality is we know that many children are in this place. And if you've been working, using some of these methods in your home already, and you feel like your child needs more help, I would encourage you to pursue that. Um, for And maybe use these as some some. Uh, guides for you to know if it's time for that. If the behavior is not getting better, if it's just continuing down that path and not meaning for like a week or two, but you're like a month, a month plus where we've practiced these strategies. We're trying things at home. We're at the end of our rope. We don't know what to do. And if their behaviors are not allowing them to go through regular life functions, whether it be school or they're withdrawing from relationships they used to be close to, if they can't connect with their peers anymore and they used to, um, if, if they're having behaviors that are not developmentally appropriate, and they did, but now they're not, it's, it's a cue that probably it's time to try something more. And I would just encourage you to be brave because it, it feels scary and like a scary step to take. But stepping outside of your home for help might be the bravest thing you could do for your child and the best gift that you could give them to help prepare them for the life you want them to have. So I would encourage you, first ask your church, um, ask your pastor, your children's pastor, if they have a list of therapists in your area that you could see. I would recommend, especially if you have a young child, look for a specialist, um, a registered play therapist, 
will have different resources and tools to serve your child better, really if they're eight or younger, to serve them in a better way than um, just a marriage and family therapist would know to do. And if the church gives you a list and they're full, because sadly so many are right now because there's such a demand, ask those therapists that the church recommended. Do you have other people you would recommend? And be be persistent, be diligent, put it on your to-do list and get it done. Don't put it off and say, oh, I'll do it next week. Do it, do it tomorrow, do it the next day, get it done. And if, um, if you're not getting lists that way, reach out to your friends. Odds are one of your friends has been in a similar boat and maybe by you reaching out, it would cause them to realize, you know what, maybe this would be something that I could do too. And be brave um, for yourself. Trust that the Lord will lead you. Do it for your child. You're teaching your child that it's okay to get help, which is a very, very healthy skill and will carry them far into life. And for your friends, for your friends to know, hey, we decided to get some help for so-and-so, whoever your child is. Of course, you're not going to tell all the world about this. This is a private thing. But for those who are in your dear community who support you, who lift you up in prayer, so they can pray with you through this journey, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. That you being brave to look for help might encourage them also to get some help that they could use. And also within the church, um, it's a sad thing that there's a negative stigma associated with getting help for mental health. But God created all of us. And um, I believe, I think back about that passage that says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And every part of that sweet little child is fearfully and wonderfully made. So we will serve their minds and their hearts and their bodies with all that we can. Thanks so much for being with us today. I'm glad you could join us. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below, where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week as we talk about how to confidently share your faith.